You asked for it. Here it is. It's a podcast from Apathetic Enthusiasm. Coming to you live from an interview sequel. We're back with the man behind the music, Brian Elder, talking bops, talking raps, and talking the flu in the air. We're talking about everything here on Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Travis. Hello, everybody, and I'm Brandon, and welcome to this special bonus edition of Interdimensional RSS, the edition where we get rid of semi-pertinent news, we get rid of short outs, we we forgo all the things that ever have made this podcast. (laughs) No rules. and, (laughs) And one topic today. That topic today is an interview with Ryan Elder, the man behind the music, uh, but before we get into that, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to do real quick. Yeah, yeah. What if what if you stumble upon this episode and this is the only time you've ever heard us? That would that would be insane uh, because we've been doing this podcast a really long time. Uh, but if you are new here and you want to know how to get a hold of us, we are all over the Internet. You can follow us on Twitter at Rick and Morty Pod over at Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rick and Morty Podcast on Instagram, Rick and Morty Podcast, or you can send us an email, Rick and Morty Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, thank you for checking it out. If you have not subscribed before, please hit that subscribe button. You can give it a thumbs up, do all those fun things. Uh, yeah, and make sure that you're subscribed on whatever podcatcher that you're that you're using to listen to podcasts. If uh, if you're new to this as well, but yeah, this is this is definitely a special episode. We we had an old friend back with us <laughs> on, on on the podcast. Uh, we got to do uh, a a terrific interview with the composer. The, the 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 man behind the music as as you said earlier Brandon for for Rick and Morty Ryan Elder uh, if you did not catch our first interview with Ryan Elder that's back like what you, episode forty seven twenty yeah forty seven back in twenty eighteen it's been so long it's been it feels like forever <laughs> uh it and, it and it has been forever uh we we had wanted to talk to him. For for a good long while, we we wanted to touch base with them uh, in the middle of season four, uh, and, and and we and we couldn't for this that or the other reason, uh, mostly because we wanted to make sure that we went through Adult Swim and and did the did things the the right way. That's right. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, we 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 got that, we did that, and uh, we finally got Ryan back in here. Uh, so so in the episode, we we the interview, we we talk about. Um, Adult Swim Fest. We talk about season four songs. We talk about the latest season five song, and it was just great to get a chance to talk to him Tru- again. Truly a joy. Uh, and and so I think without any further ado, because because we we did talk to him for for a little while, uh, I think it's best if we get right into it. Uh, here is our second interview with Ryan Elder. So Ryan, it it has been uh, since 2018. That was the last time we we talked to you. Uh, episode 47. If for for any of the folks who who want to go back and and, and listen to that, uh, and that was that was during season three. Uh, it was after it, it was after season wow. three. Uh, so you know as well as we do that that's another year and a half, two years to season four, and now we are in almost midway through season five, and uh, so just. You know, thank you so much for for coming on. I know it's been a long time. We wanted to talk to you uh, er- earlier on, uh, but I think this is this is a perfect time to to bring you back into the fold and and sure, hang, yeah. hang out with us. So so so, how have things been over the course of twenty eighteen? Uh, do the math. Uh, three years and change. Well, uh, yeah. So the show lost all its popularity. <laughs> it's not nobody likes it anymore. No, it's been insane. I mean, you know, it just keeps getting bigger. Um, and uh, frankly, like, I think the episodes are just as good, if not better than they were in those early seasons. The animation is certainly better. And uh, hopefully the music is better, but <laughs> that's up for debate. Um, I'll abstain from that uh, vote. But other than that, you know, I've, I've been working on a lot of stuff and uh, Rick and Morty is always there. It's one of the few, it's the only show I work on now where I try to do everything. Uh, my other shows I co-compose or whatever. 
Um, but you know, Rick and Morty has a special place in my heart. So I try to keep it for myself. <laughs> so in, in that time, since we, we, we actually got to meet you uh, at Adult Swim Fest, the inaugural Adult Swim Fest way back in, was that 2018, fall of 2018? Yeah. And, and you got to do like a live scoring of a, a Rick and Morty episode with a full orchestra. How Can you just talk for a minute about that experience and yeah. how that was? I mean, it was incredible, you know? It was... Uh... Uh, it was one of those things where, like, I never in my wildest dreams as a composer thought I would get to do something like that. And it was pretty exciting to stand up on that stage in front of, I don't know, what was it, like 5,000 people. And it was packed. It was a make, very pre COVID experience for sure. Make, make all these, uh, you know, festival goers standing on pavement listen to a live orchestra. <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it was cool. You know, the orchestra was amazing. They uh, played really well. And um, it was fun to hear my really fun to hear my music in played as it was really intended to be played. You know, most of the music I write is all what we call in the box. It's all using samples. It's all using, you know, pre-recorded controllable recordings of orchestral instruments so you know when you write that you you do take a lot of shortcuts to make it sound good in the box that don't work in real life so we had to kind of figure that out and see how it was going to work and i did have help with that and my uh my buddy jason martin castillo who conducted the orchestra also helped me sort of figure out how to orchestrate it correctly for a live orchestra and we had a live theremin player and then we had a bunch of guest artists come out and perform and it was it was a good time. I hope you guys had fun. No, it I was didn't. an awesome show. I I I I know I loved it, Brandon. I mean, yeah, you know, I I don't I don't like music normally, but uh, but yeah. but that that made me fall in love with the fine art of the or orchestral score. Yeah, you guys have been to the Philharmonic a bunch since then. Oh, yeah. It was inspiring. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I picked up the cello. It's it's all. Oh, thing. nice. Oh, cello is beautiful. Uh, no, but it, it was it was so it was so fantastic. Uh, be, being there, being, you know, seeing, not, you know, having the big, uh, it was, it was, uh, the pickle Rick episode up on screen and, uh, seeing the, seeing the musicians in you normally when I go to a show, go, go to concert, whatever, I, I end up spending most of my time looking at the, uh, the musicians, right. Because that, that is, is fascinating to me. And it's, it's amazing to me, um, how, how it all comes together same thing with like mixing right like the the art of 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 a stage and how those sounds come together and and go out into the audience uh so anyway uh regardless you know it, it was it was bitching uh as as i say in the in the yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how much how many people behind the scenes are required to get an orchestra to play live to a visual and have it sound and look correct like i never in i know when when i pitched this idea actually with Jason to Adult Swim initially, we just were like, oh yeah, we'll just do a little thing. We could just be a little thing with a little orchestra. It'll be easy. We'll keep it simple. And then it just like every step of the way, we're like, but wait, wait, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And eventually like the team behind the scenes gets to be like 20 to 30 people. <laughs> and then that's not including the orchestra on the screen. It was just an amazing thing. Like it was all done by this this company Hollywood scoring and they do this for a lot of stuff they do like they did all the sort of league of legends oh nice. live performances in china every year um which i i don't think you know they they like everyone else was just doing nothing during the pandemic obviously anyone who works in live performance at least yeah, sure. um but uh they do an incredible job and they came in and just knocked it out of the park for us. And I really hope we get to work together again someday. That'd be so cool, man. Uh, I know, I know that I know you do like a bunch of like scores out. Like I, I think my brother-in-law uh, watched them uh, live score jaws out, mm -hmm. <laughs> out, out in like the, yeah. Yeah. One of the amphitheaters or whatever. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, we, since then, since, since then we've gone into a new season, we, we went into season four 
Mm -hmm. inevitably and uh so you know we want to we want to talk we want to go a little bit back in time not too far back in time anymore but we want to talk about season uh season four uh because it had it had a lot of uh i mean every year you have original every season you have original songs but but there was uh there were more um Dan Harmonish songs in in there. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to ask if there was a a targeted goal uh, going into season four to to have uh, more of those types of songs that could be standalone tracks. There was not. um, But I do think that, you know, one of the things, big things that happened between season three and season four for me and for the music was that we released the soundtrack album, right? That's right. And so there was maybe in the back of people's heads, this idea of like, oh, well, you know, there's probably going to be another soundtrack album someday. The songs are a part of the show that people do do love. There's all sorts of songs pre-season four, right? Um, so I think there was this sense like we're in lockdown, most of the production on season four. We're working from home. And there was this like, well, this scene needs a montage song or this scene needs a song, you know? Um, and it was kind of like me and Dan experimenting with this, like him recording from home, sending me the vocals, I produce them and like seeing if we could make that work for season four. And I think we were happy with the songs we came up with, you know, um, they're definitely, some of them are just like, I'm, I love <clears throat> particularly love that camping song. I think it's so absurd. <laughs> um, this like pointer sisters singing about camping but it's Harmon singing it. It's just like the funniest thing to me. Um, but yeah, so like that was kind of like in a way, a little bit of a byproduct of being in quarantine. You know, okay. it's like, it was easy for Dan to do those vocals at home. He could write the lyrics. He could improvise. He could mess around, send me them. And then I could, you know, make it work in the song. And sometimes like for, for example, the invisible garbage truck, jingle um at the end of uh episode 10 Harmon just improvised that like into the microphone with no backing track no music he just sang an acapella and then I took his acapella recording and I like cut it up and moved it around so that it would work rhythmically and harmonically with some music that I wrote underneath it so what you're hearing was kind of like post scored to his vocal which I'd had to do a lot on that show Harmon Quest that Dan and did with Spencer Crittenden, which was like a improvised Dungeons and Dragons, basically. And Dan would break into song on that on occasion. And that's done in front of a live audience. There's no way to prepare music ahead of time. And they didn't have like a they didn't have like a improv keyboard guy there. So that one I had to do that a lot where I would post score a song underneath what was what Dan was improvising. So we did do that. Um, we do that again uh, in an episode coming up in season five. And then I will say though, this in season five, now that we were able to like, we weren't in quarantine, you will hear less songs sung by Dan Harmon. Um, but <laughs> there are some great, great songs regardless uh, done by other, like I sang on a song in the last episode. Yep. Um, flowers. And, uh, yep. Yep. That I, I co-wrote that with my friend, Mark Malman, great singer songwriter from the twin cities in Minnesota. Um, and yeah, so that was like a, just a, it was a fun sort of experiment and we'll do it, definitely do it again. But I think this season taking a little break from Harmon singing, doing some other stuff. <laughs> it, it was crazy to me. Like, as as a fan of Harmontown and and hearing a lot of Dan just kind of riffing and and mm-hmm. coming up with music sometimes live from stage, that that was that was a question I had for you is <clears throat> how much of those songs are pre-planned? Is it just like a premise and then Dan riffs on it, or is there are the writers involved in any of those lyrics? How or is it just kind of a back and forth with Dan? It, it, how does that all come together? Yeah, I mean it's primarily a back and forth with Dan. Uh, sometimes I will sing just, well, actually, you know, the song fathers and daughters, I got a doo-doo in my butt, that, that crazy song, <laughs> Yep. that song came around the process of that song was, and it is a process we use now a lot where I wrote the backing track and I just sang nonsensical lyrics, like, uh, really just not lyrics, right? 
And in that case, I'd sing do, 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 uh-huh. thinking just as a placeholder, I'll sing a do, do, do melody. And like, you know, it was like, do, do. And I, I sang it all in there. Just like, hey, Dan, here's something for you to be inspired by. Uh, not thinking he would actually be inspired by the do, do, do part, <laughs> but more so the melody. Uh, but he definitely took the do, do, do's and ran with that. And it, it uh, we got that crazy ass song as a result. And so, you know, for him, it's like he likes to mess around with it and play around with the lyrics. And he really gets into lyric writing. Um, if you've if you've listened to the Harmontown podcast, you know, like he is that is the thing that interests him. And he's very good at it. Obviously he's an incredible writer. So, you know, I know I got, if I send him the track, he'll come back with something incredible. And, uh, you know, this season he wrote most of the, I think he wrote, we didn't write the lyrics to flowers, but he did write the lyrics to almost all the other songs that we have in the season. So, um, I mean, he's just so like, I I'll try to write something that I think is like kind of funny or whatever, and then he'll take it and just take it so far to the next level. Obviously, you know, that's his job. They're, um, they're amazing. And, and honestly, throughout season four, and it was one of the reasons why we were so excited to talk to you is, uh, you know, we'd look forward to the episode coming out, but then we could kind of look forward to the, that new track hitting Spotify or whatever, a couple of days <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. Right. Where, and, and, and the artwork for those. And then, and then obviously sometimes like, like with camping, I think there was probably some of that song that was, that was cut down for the actual episode maybe, yeah, but like almost all the time it's shorter in the episode. And then I, I'll write it to the episode and then I'll lengthen it later okay. to fill it out. Um, because I don't know, like I could release a 37 second song on Spotify, but like, (laughs) yeah, you know, why not like make it a real song, make it something that like is at least two minutes long and people can enjoy it for more than just what, what's, if they want to hear it 37 seconds long, they could just watch the episode, you know? Right. But you have the full two minutes when you're rolling down the highway, you know, jamming, camping, exactly. or glory to Glorzo. Exactly. You can really we need roll the, the windows full, down. We need the full four minute version of Snake Jazz to really. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and 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 you don't really respect how much you have to hate love camping until you until you get that second person <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I knew Dan was going to go in that direction because I like you know obviously he's not. He's not into camping. Um, and so I knew he'd kind of go in that direction, but I just, I just thought when I got back his vocals, I just was laughing so hard at how funny they were. Uh, you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned snake jazz. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I know, I know you, I know you've talked, uh, about snake jazz in at length, uh, like on the inside of the episode, you, you talk about, uh, snake jazz as well. Right. Uh, yeah. so I really, I just, I just want to shout out to, Everybody who's ever like mimicked a snare or a, a, a hi hat has all has always <laughs> knows that. So, so yes. turning so turning that into a snake jazz, I just I want to I want to uh, commend you yeah. for the, the variation of snake sounds you got. <laughs> I think it was originally tempted by the editor doing that. The editor Lee Harding. <laughs> I think it was him going just that in the animatic when I worked on it. And then it was like, okay, how do I keep the genius of that, but like add in just enough little extras to make it feel intentional and not just a recording of some guy doing that. So, you know, getting the sounds of actual snakes in there and then playing around with that was pretty fun. But also like, you can't take it too far. Like I tried making that sound with actual snake sounds and it just wasn't funny like it didn't work you know it needed to have that like a guy doing the snake hissing sound himself uh yeah i i i imagine uh the a a snake inside like the mixing booth like if 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 there could be like an entire just show full of snake world stuff just the the snake like moving the mixer just like yeah like bring up the bring up the base one of the things we wanted to do for that um inside the episode thing what we just didn't have time was and i i unfortunately i pitched it way too last minute but it would have been hilarious as if like we're gonna have like a makeup artist put like snake bites all over my face (laughs) and just pretend like i just got out of the field recording all the snakes (laughs) 
uh, we will we'll, we'll make sure we Photoshop you and just like <laughs> and, and, and like one of the snakes all over your face. Yeah, <laughs> like with holding a microphone to like one of the, the, yeah, like exactly. the snake basket. <laughs> one of, one of the standout episodes, obviously, uh, you know. Emmy award-winning episodes, right? The the yeah. vat of acid episode, um, huge montage uh, in the in the middle of that episode. So like, really, music played a huge part in sort of helping tell that piece of the story. Was did you have to do anything different or prepare uh, in a in a special way to to set up for for that episode? Yeah. So when I you know at the be- when I watch when I get an episode, I watch it down and I spot it. It's called spotting where you just figure out where you want the music to be. Right. And obviously that's a huge moment in the episode. One of the biggest, there's more minutes of music in that one chunk than the rest of the episode combined. I think Mm -hmm. it's over half the episodes music is in that one chunk. And so I knew like, I knew it was going to take more than just a day because I, you know, tend to spend I tend to do four or five cues in a day. I try to write two minutes of music a day or whatever. Um, but even if I were writing two minutes of music a day, that scene would only take me two days because it's only like four minutes of music. But I spent a whole week on that scene because it was just, I knew it was going to be so important. And I knew it was like really the heart and soul of that episode to have that sort of digression away from the main plot. And if I, you know, it goes through a lot of genre, like genres and and moods and styles and like getting those transitions musically that happen so fast, you know, they're in love, they're on a plane going somewhere and then all of a sudden, boom, it's an adventure movie, right? Yeah, right. And so like having the music convey that transition in a way that was satisfying just visually, but also emotionally and, you know, musically was something that I really wanted to nail down. So I did give, I did put a lot more time into that one cue than any other cue in that episode. Um, And, you know, per minute, for sure, I put more time into it. I also like hired a piano player to play piano in that beginning section because I wanted that real John Bryany kind of like intimate. And he used his, uh, it's my friend, Paul Bassenbacher. He's an amazing piano player. He has this upright piano in his in his apartment that is like slightly out of tune in like a really cool kind of authentic way and so he was like hey do you want me to have it tuned before i do this and i was like no definitely not so the piano in that scene has like a little bit of a there's something a little off about it that makes it feel more authentic and organic um and i was like if i'm gonna get a real piano i want it to sound like a real piano on it you know You talk, you talk about cra- taking so much time to to craft the music in in that that scene, uh, well that that segment. And when I think of uh, composers, and I, I think of you know classic classic film, and I I think even even further back, uh, wh- where you want to tell a story with the music, even if there's not anything visual going on, that seems to be a very very hard thing to do but also very very rewarding if you if you nail it yeah and if if you if you play that music uh, by itself you will you will know what's what's going on uh you you have you have the you have the buildup of the relationship and it's it's all it's kind of light-hearted and uh there's there's that love then it goes into then it goes into there's there's a drama and there's there there's there's tension there uh and then in uh, the the scene where he kind of flashes back uh, when mm-hmm. he first met her and then it goes back and then, and she's crying again. How, how you take that, that, that I'm going to say this like major scale, but have it feel a minor. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bitter sweetness. The second time that melody comes back in the beginning, it's got like a light, a lighthearted carefree. We're in love kind of new love story. And then yeah, when I and that was one thing like I knew, oh, I have to use the same melody when he's flashing back. It's really important because he's remembering these good times, but now he's seeing it through the lens of his current situation. And so yeah, the music has to have that bittersweetness, that that uh sadness to it that you that wasn't there the first time. And then now it's an adventure film where he's fighting off wolves and, you know, that has to be heroic and, you know, it's a call to action. 
And, and what, what, I, what I what I love, not only does it tell its story, tell a, a complete story in that, but then it it gets cut off its own story cut off immediately by, by Eric Clapton's it's in the way that you use yeah, it. Yeah. And, and that's another thing is like, I knew I had to be in the same key that Eric Clapton's uh, song was in. So I was like, I, I'm like, okay, I got a four and a half minute cue and it has to be in this key. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I don't have the freedom of choosing the key, um, but it worked out just fine. Uh, obviously. Um, I, there, there's a lot of, moments uh listening back through the harmontown podcast where dan is referencing that eric clapton song it's in the oh, way that yeah, you use it how <laughs> how how early in the process was that song like sort of decided as uh something that's going to be a part of that sequence i don't know the actual answer to that i do know <laughs> that that song was in there as early as when i started working on it which is you know okay. the first locked animatic um that scene though was not in the script that was the director added that in um because i think they just needed they were the episode was like four minutes short so they were like let's create this whole thing (laughs) and so but the montage of morty doing 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 stuff with the device was in the script so my guess is the script called for that song to be used i don't know for sure (laughs) but if i had to guess i would say that it was in the script that Morty, there's a montage of Morty doing these things. Music, Eric Clapton's. It's in the way that you use it, you know. <clears throat> right. Um, I could totally see that. So it was basically locked in at that point in time uh, when you when you came in and worked on. Yeah, right. yeah. No, I knew that was good. I mean, I got I got the animatic and I wrote to Sydney, the line producer, and I said, "Are we getting this Eric Clapton song?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, we definitely have to have that." <laughs> And so then I knew I was definitely, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll put a song on there that um, I'm like, well, maybe they'll get it. Maybe they won't. The one that I didn't think they were going to get was in episode two of season five, the queen song. Oh, I was like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have oh, to replace yeah. this. That's going to be, that's going to be a <laughs> tough to beat the champ on that one. Right. But then I found out they were getting it. I was quite relieved uh, because I think it's amazing and it works amazing in that scene. It, re- it re- yeah, it, re- it really does. The, uh, the, the, uh, the theme to Highlander, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, who wants to live forever? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, which, which, uh, one of our, one of our listeners, my towel just fell down. Uh, one of our, one of our <laughs> listeners, uh, uh, Pointed out that uh, Brian May, I think, sang that at Freddie Mercury's funeral as well. Oh wow! Um, so, uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But yeah, uh, I think even uh, Tales from the Citadel, Rick Landis mix-up. I, I think we talked about it last time you were here about uh, if if in in the city hadn't been picked up, uh, yeah. that like you you know you you have. Of a version of uh, the Tales from the Citadel. Uh, yeah, song. I ended up on the soundtrack yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't get so far as to write something to replace the Queen song because they locked it in before I. They were never worried. Oh, we're not going to be able to get this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't an issue. Within the city, there was an issue licensing that song because of someone who like the you know the version that we have on the episode itself is not the version from the movie the warrior or the warriors it's a re-record that was done by i forget the singer's name yeah joe, uh, joe walsh joe walsh yeah it was a, it was a re-record done by joe walsh so he could own that recording oh okay mm-hmm. and so okay. that's why that's that's why that's different we just like getting the one from the Warriors was difficult. Apparently, I don't know the whole story behind it, so don't quote me on that. Yeah, there's at least obviously there's three at least versions of a song. There's the Eagles. They they did it originally. They well, it was in the city. Then they did it on on with the Eagles, and then they did it on Hell Freezes Over, and then mm. so then 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 this one. I don't know why I know so much about the the, yeah. the history of in the city. It's like Britney Spears or Britney Spears. It's like Taylor Swift re-recording all her stuff, right? right like yeah, right. at some point, an artist goes, "Well, I wrote that song. I own the writer's share of that song. They can't take that away from me. The only thing they own is the recording itself. Oh. I'll just make a new recording." Um, mm, and sometimes right. that works, and it's better. Like all the Taylor Swift stuff is just better objectively to me, at least. Um, and sometimes it doesn't, I think at this, in this case, in for in the city, they're definitely comparable. Yeah. Yep. 
so so moving on to the end of season four, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this question as I wrote it. Don't look back has over 11 million plays on Spotify. It's a certified bop. What was the process for developing that closing song for season four? Yeah, um, the process was. Hey, we got another emotional moment in in a, at the end of a Rick and Morty episode, and not only that, it's the end of the season. Uh, I better write something really good here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I knew that I had been. I knew I was going to need a vocal, like um, just some, preferably a female vocal, because that's just it's proven to have worked with Chaos, Chaos, and other uh, uh, moments in the show. Um, in season one, you know, uh, look on down from the bridge, stuff like that. Right. So I knew also knew, like, I want to, I want to write it or at least co-write it. I don't want us to try to find something we can license, you know, like that's a whole thing. I know I can write a good song if I, if I give myself the time and if I work with the right person, which in this case was my friend, Lauren Cooljack, otherwise known as Katomi, um, she is an incredible singer, an incredible songwriter, and she also is she also scores TV shows. So she like understands the process a little bit, right? Um, she she does additional music for Love Victor, and for example, um, she's very very good. I've known her for years. She actually was an intern at the recording studio where I did most of my work on commercials, and then she became a staff composer alongside me there. So. Uh, and I just was like, okay, I sat down. I just like played, I played basically the piano chords that you hear. And I recorded in the drums in the chorus. And there's like this chimey guitar part. And I like sketched out the form of it, right? With those three or four elements. I sent those, and, and I played a little melody on, on, uh, on the piano as just like, hey, here's an inspiration for the melody which she did use for the verse. And then she came up with her own melody for the chorus. So she took that, she wrote the lyrics, basically what, what in, the, in, the, in the sort of EDM world or pop world you call top lining, right? But she did, she, normally when you top line, you just sing and then you send back the vocal, you write the lyrics and the melody and you sing it and you send back those vocals. But I knew Lauren was capable of much more than just top lighting, obviously. And she has top line for EDM artists and stuff in the past. But I said, you know, do whatever you want. If you want to add more stuff, please feel free. And so she added like a lot of the cool, synthy, like pulsing um, stuff that especially takes us out of the first chorus into the second verse. Um, and obviously she added all the harmonies and like it was her idea to like, take the melody down on the word down, uh, which I, is just genius. And still I hear it. I'm like, wow. Um, so, and all of this took place in no joke, like three days, like her and I, we're both used to, because we work on ads and because we both work on TV, we're used to like really just moving things along quickly. But also like when you do that, sometimes it's not, you end up with something good, not great. Right. And this is one of those times where it was like, wow, not only do we do this fast, but we, it's pretty great, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so her and I went back and forth just a little bit more just to lock in a few things. She she said, hey, you should sing harmony on just this one line in the chorus, which I did. And then um, I sent it I sent it to my friend, Martin Cook, who's an engineer. He does a lot of Death Cab for Cutie stuff. He's, he's a mix engineer. He, he mixed it and really put like a lot of the a lot of what makes it uh, just really slam and what makes it sparkle and feel amazing. He added that stuff to like really bring it home. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, every so often, and this happened with Goodbye Moon Men as well, a song just sort of comes out and is like great right away. You don't have to tinker a lot. You don't have to try to move stuff around. And obviously you want every song you write every piece of music you write to be like that but it's normally not so mm -hmm. in this case we got lucky and uh, yeah people seem to really respond to it and i it's done a lot better on spotify and youtube <laughs> than i ever imagined so that's very exciting i i probably have a fair share of those of those plays on spotify because i think it's great and i i just 
I don't know. It, every time I go back to to rewatch the end of the season, it just stands out to me. Is so I'm so glad you came back because I I really just since the end of season four have been been wanting to talk to you about some of these things. But now we're into season five. We have. We have new episodes, new things to discuss, right? We're so. almost halfway done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, uh, we we can, heard we, it. Spoilers. Yeah. We can see. No, the- I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's just the episode order. I'll do it. Sure. I'll do it until I'm dead. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, uh, so the the, la- the latest episode, Rick and Vinyant Mort. Uh, obviously, uh, Kishibashi was uh, he. he uh, they they had the uh the uh i am the antichrist song in there mm-hmm. um you and mark mallman you you had flowers that that is is out there on spotify yeah. for folks to listen yeah. to uh and and we're, we're you we talk about we just talked about season four and, and some of those songs with with Harmon uh that that are they, they they're not as um they're not as they don't they're they're produced still right uh, because they're professional but they're they're maybe not like they are with uh, don't look back. Uh, right. There's, they're joke songs. Yes. You can say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and don't look back and flowers, uh, in particular are very earnest, right? Yeah, like right. they're, they're an attempt at making an earnest song flowers, more earnest than <laughs> your average song. The point was, you know, Morty is falling in love. This is new love. It's the beginning of a relationship. Like how, how corny do we do we all feel when we're in that situation, you know? Yeah. And so I wanted just a tinge of corniness to the song. I think it's there, but it's also like I wanted it to work as a song on its own too, and not like people go, okay, you know, what what what's this goofy song, right? Did, I mean, did you did you start with the idea uh, because of the plot being it being a, an earth based plot, uh, you know, taking care of the environment? Did you start with the idea of flowers as being the kind of uh, focal point uh yeah so malman wrote the lyrics uh initially i just was like hey i'm gonna write the song i'll send you a melody can you just write some lyrics for me to sing um because i mark is great i love his lyrics um and i wanted to you know so he wrote the lyrics and i just told him like hey i just want the chorus to be about flowers that's it like Otherwise, and you know, I want it to be the uh, uh, earnest, slightly schmoopy love song, right? And uh, so the kind of song you would listen to when you're just falling in love and you would like go, oh, I want to listen to this over and over again <laughs> for whatever reason, if it spoke to you. So I really just said lyrically, all I really want is flowers. I don't want to tell you too much about the episode because I don't want it to be on the nose. You know, I don't want him to start singing about earth day or something <laughs> do you know what i mean like right it's it, 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 fl- i i loved the image of the flowers the connection of the flowers she gives him and then how they were sort of important at the end i knew the song wasn't going to be at the end so that i could i we could sing about flowers and have it still not feel like hey we're pointing to this moment too much right, right. and uh he came back with the lyrics and how, how they worked I thought they worked great. And I just was like, okay, I'm, I'll just sing them in and see what it sounds like. And then kind of going for kind of an Elliot Smith approach to the vocals, like multi-tracked, like I think there's six or seven of my voice in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to just layer, 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 because part of it is because I'm a little insecure about my singing voice, but also like part of it is that I wanted that kind of approach too. I don't think it would have worked if it was just, well, it probably would have worked if it was someone not me singing uh, to just have one voice, but uh, it would need to be someone with a lot of character to their voice. And then when we made the full song version, Mark, uh, he added his own voice to the second verse and the, the back chorus. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like the, uh, the kind of uh, single, single word kind of backup vocals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the background. Him, yeah. Uh, one of the things, because I Travis listens to "Don't Look Back" uh, hundreds of times. Uh, I I just did a road trip up to Santa Barbara. Uh, yes, th- this last week, and so I was in preparation. I was listening to the the Rick and Morty stuff over and over again, uh, and I ended up listening to "Flowers" multiple times, obviously. And uh, I I appreciate the kind of it, it's it's kind of it it's got a clean feel to it. 
Uh, it seems like it's not heavily processed, but then just some things in the background uh, as the as a guitar is strumming, it does like a little like <laughs> like kind of yeah. jilt in the background. Yeah, uh, actually, that's that's Mark too. Um, for the second verse and the second chorus, we we added it later in order to make the song a full song, and so he did. He was like, "Hey, I have an idea for how to treat this second verse and chorus. Let's do this like choppy thing." And so he did this like choppy thing with it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I like that it's special for the full, the full length version. It's not in the episode because one, you know, I want to give some reason for this full song to exist. Can't just loop it twice and call it a song. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so like, it was cool for him. He got to sort of take it and kind of like put even more of his sound on it, his, his uh, vibe and signature. That that's awesome. You, you talk talk about re- repeating stuff. Uh, I, I've listened to flu hating rap so many times as well. <laughs> it's like uh, here it goes again. Uh, going going for another loop. Hey, yeah. you, know, you got to be aware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, the only other question we really had on on uh, Rick Convenient Mort was just the so much. It was a very emotional episode. It was not mm-hmm. uh, as it it wasn't as as punchy and jokey like. In the, in the second half of it, I mean, we just got done talking about it on, on the last episode, but d- do you approach that episode differently uh, because of the heavy emotion and the things that are, that are in the script or? or yeah. It- I mean, there's way more space. Uh, you know, I knew the Kishibashi song was going to be there. Um, and actually, if you look, I think I have to pull up the Kyushi to be sure, but I think once that song is introduced, there's no other music but that song for the rest of the episode. Um, and so in a way that really helped, it really sets that song up, apart and makes that moment even more powerful yeah. that, Oh, you know, there's all this silence. There's just talking, uh, you know, and the characters interacting and then, and then that song comes in and it's like, Whoa, Holy shit. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I approached it, the way I do any episode, which is what do I need to do to make the story as good as it can be? And I never, there was never any doubt in my mind, like, Oh, I shouldn't be trying to score this stuff. Um, I originally did write some music cause I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get that Kishibashi song. I did originally write something, but I listened back to it and I'm like, well, this is just like a poor man's Kishibashi anyways. <laughs> like it's never going to see the light of day because of that. You know, like um, if, if you didn't know Kishibashi had ever been on there and you had never heard his song, you wouldn't, you'd hear mine and you wouldn't miss it. But hearing them both and everyone working on the show, hearing them both, it was just like, serve to just show hey it's important that we get this song it's too good yeah yeah and they're like ryan sorry no more yeah, you're, you're, no, yeah. i was fi- i was more than happy <laughs> you're uh, fired ryan told yeah. kishibashi from now on <laughs> i mean he's an amazing he he's uh i think he did a movie score recently or at least co-composed a movie score for an animated film he's incredible his stuff is just incredible he's just one one of those musicians that just like can't do anything but great stuff um i i got into him from this like i had never heard of him so well you know i i want to say this you know don't you you are a magnificent composer in and of itself you know don't don't talk shit about yourself you're you're in singing too you know like i i mean you you haven't haven't heard me sing and that's you know so (laughs) hey listen (laughs) my i owe most of my success to uh, about fifty percent coffee and fifty percent imposter syndrome. So don't. Uh... I th- I think you just uh, spoke to our success in podcasting as well. So so I appreciate that. We just kept yeah. crawling and it kept working. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to a good callback. I love it. Uh, you know, we, we want to say thank you for coming on. And we, you know, obviously your, your work on Rick and Morty is spectacular. Uh, the, the thing, the things, the things you've done, uh, with, with Harmon, the, the Harmontown movie, uh, you did boss baby last time we talked, that was last time, uh, still working on it. Oh, yeah. Boss baby too. Yep. 
Uh, not the movie. Oh, no, the, the show, the, the Netflix show. Yeah, 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 we, we yeah. did a season two, and we're working on season three right now. So Right on. Or right. I guess awesome. in Netflix terms, it's five and six, because they split them up. But Yeah. Okay. Is it uh, two, this is a double, double-edged question. Not, not that it's a bad thing. It's maybe a two-pronged question. There, there we go. Uh, the first question is, uh, is there anything that you can uh, tell us about what to expect uh, song-wise from season five? And you don't have to answer that because, you know, kind of dropping that on you. And I've already said too much. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so that answers that question. The second question is, uh, aside from Rick and Morty, is it... You know, is there anything that you're working on other than the boss baby stuff uh, that uh, that folks uh, can can keep an eye out? Yeah, for? there is actually um, haven't really the show's been announced. Um, haven't really talked about it a lot yet because it's not out yet. But um, I, I'm co-composing a show called Inside Job on Netflix. It's an adult animation show. Um, it's it's a show run and produced by Shion Takuchi, who was a writer and producer on Gravity Falls. Okay. And then it's, nice. it's co, co-produced by uh, Alex Hirsch from Gravity Falls. Nice. Nice. Um, awesome. It, it, it's going to be great, I think. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it's, an, uh, it's sort of a workplace comedy about the shadow government. So like a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff, but the goofy ones, not the, right, right. Not the ones that uh, set the world on fire in the last <laughs> gotcha. yeah. year or two. Right. Um, you know, moon landing, stuff like that. So um, I think it's funny. The cast is amazing. And um, I don't know when it'll be out. <laughs> okay. We will, we will, look, we will look yeah. forward to it whenever... Yeah, yeah. Whenever but uh, I'm having fun working on that. My co-composer, Steve Rydell, is better known as one half of the mashup DJ team, uh, The Hood Internet. And he he's like a indie hip-hop producer, too. Um, and so working with him has been great on this. And it it's fun. Like, one of the things that I do when I pitch for shows now is if the brief is, like, traditional scoring plus this crazy idea <laughs> which is what it was for boss baby it was hip-hop meets um 30 rock and uh <laughs> i'll get like oh let me get someone who can do one of those really well and then i'll do the other one and we'll work together and it'll be great which has been the case for boss baby and has also been the case for inside jobs so that, that's that's super cool that that collaboration helping both of you grow yeah. i imagine right totally totally and you know for me music is about collaboration it is in, in high school orchestra, my director was like, we don't do competitions. The band, the choir, they could do competitions. We don't do competitions because music is about collaborating. It's a joint experience that you celebrate with other people. Uh, it's not about competing. And so for me, I like to share working on music with other people. I always have my whole life. Play, like that's what's fun about music is playing it with other people. So it's been, it's been fun uh, co-composing for sure. Uh, that that's that's fantastic that's fantastic to hear i i was listening to a podcast uh yesterday just just talking it was just about mixing because I, I i'd like to i'd like to make my mixing skills better and uh the 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 hosts were just talking about all the different people that they've worked with periodically just in the mixing realm and how yeah. much and how much they learn like uh you know uh, cu- cutting frequencies out of a, of a kick drum here. Uh, but you don't use that in, in this style or, or maybe you do, right. you know, if you wanted to get a different sound. And so just the collaboration of music is just so awesome. And, uh, I'm glad to, I'm glad to see you working out there uh, with a bunch of different artists and, and enhancing your abilities, uh, to bring us magnificent music. So I, you know, you'll be in semi-pertinent news when inside job is, is, is announced. <laughs> so congratulations. You, you found your way in the, our semi-pertinent news as well. Uh, and ultimately, man, we just really, really appreciate you coming out here. Uh, my, my offer to be your roadie, uh, if you take Rick and Morty on the road is still, still, uh, there. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, 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 I might work, hold you to that. <laughs> I work for peanuts. Uh, so, you know, I, I got, I got, a, I got another job. It's fine. I'll, I'll just take vacation. Uh, so right. I could be with yeah. you. Uh, but yeah, man, th- thank you so much for, for coming on and hanging out. Well, thanks for having me guys. And thanks for all the kind words. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you guys. So there it is. That is, uh, that is our, our sequel interview 
with old Ryan Elder. Like he's not Ryan that Elder. old. He's not like he's not that old. <laughs> he's not that old. He's 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 basically our age. Yeah. Uh, which I guess if you were like twenty two, then yeah, we're we're, oh, yeah. we're pretty old. Then we're really old. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it it was so it was so good talking to him. Such a such a blast. I am um I am superb superbly. That's not the right word. I'm amazingly interested in the the process of writing music with his little uh blip about how much how much he writes in a day like little 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 doodles and all that type of stuff throughout the day it's just it's so cool to me and and it it has inspired me to to try to get my kind of routing and my instrument routing all all put together because if i get that technical piece together then I can get the music out. You're of basically that. the next Ryan Elder. You're you're basically <laughs> never. You, I will never. <laughs> I will never be that. But uh, so, anyways, uh, we, so we we thank him for coming on. If you want to follow him, you can do that. If you go over on Twitter at Ryan Elder Music, he is there tweeting the day away in between the songs that he's writing. And uh, please go out there and follow him. He's a great guy. And we can't wait to have him back in uh, in three to four more years. Yeah, yeah. We'll just do this every three three years. We'll just call it three years uh, <laughs> for the next hundred years, uh, when for as long as Rick and Morty uh, exists. But uh, yeah, thanks thanks again to Ryan, and and thank you to you Unity for checking out this bonus episode. Thank you for uh, listening to the interview. If you enjoyed this, you want to hear more interviews. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed everywhere. Uh, that this podcast exists. Uh, you can also catch the live shows at twitch.tv slash apathetic enthusiasm. We do those every Monday night over there um, and subscribe in your podcast app to make sure that you never miss an episode bonus or otherwise. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, for subscribing and supporting this podcast. And until next time, I'm Travis. And I'm Brandon. Toodly doodly do. Bye. Want him to be my friend. <laughs> he's gonna chase him around on the road. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs>